Now we're coming up to the point of our service where we're going to have our um, reading and our sermon. So I would encourage you, if you've got a Bible on your phone or you've got a physical Bible, which is amazing, to open it up to Philippians 4, and we're looking at verses 10 to 20. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, church. I think I'm, <clears throat> I'm here on my own. Can I, can I hear um, a loud voice? Good morning. morning. I hope you're having or had um, a great summer. Uh, the summer is about to end. Um, um, I don't know if you um, ever prayed a prayer um, crying out to God, just, just rescue me for the, this time, and I will never uh, put myself in this situation. Have you ever prayed those prayers? And then, you know, within a, a day or two, you find yourself doing the same, crying out the same, or praying the same prayer. Um, this week, I prayed that prayer three times, crying out to God, just, 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 just this time, just, just, Lord, just rescue me this time, and, and I will never put myself in this situation. I was away uh, for a family holiday with my children, and they were, they, with my teenage children, they made me do things that I would never, ever imagine in my wildest dream. And, you know, who would imagine me doing um, uh, paragliding on the air? <laughs> you know, Lord, just, just put me on the ground. Just, just this time, Lord, just, just this time. And then... Um, after, after a few hours, I find myself crying out to God again because I don't know how they persuade me to do things that, that are really, um, you know, awful. So I'll, 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 um, I'll give you their names and where they live and everything. You can, you can, you know, you can take the revenge for me. We have been looking in the book of Philippians over the summer, and I believe you have been encouraged um, by what you heard and uh, um, inspired by it. This is the final part of the book. 
were, <clears throat> and others, as others were um, telling us, uh, the book of Philippians is Paul's personal letter to um, his friends. It's a very short letter. Um, some people actually say, say that it is an extended email. He was just writing kind of long email to his friends. It's a letter of joy. Um, the word joy was mentioned around 19 times, including works, uh, words like rejoice and gladness. So inviting and instructing uh, the Philippians to rejoice always, giving them this uh, instruction to rejoice, rejoice always, always uh, rejoice. And however, this continuous rejoicing or any other spiritual condition the Philippians were expected to have or cultivate, whether it is rejoicing, having peace of mind, unity, or the subject we are looking at today, contentment, is a result of a transformed or a renewed mind. Mind was mentioned 10 times in this short, short uh, letter, and think and remember five times. So in, in, in a way, Paul is saying, do you want to rejoice always? Do you want to have unity among you? Do you want to have a peaceful mind? Do you want to uh, live your life out of contentment? Then you're thinking about life, your value system, your focus needs to change. You need to have a transformed mind. We can see through the letter, Paul uh, mentioning the characteristics of a renewed mind. A renewed mind is a single mind, single-mindedness, a mind that focuses on Christ. A, a, a renewed mind is a submissive mind to God's truth and to God's will, a mind of Christ that submits to God even today's on a cross. That's a, mind, a renewed mind. You know, Paul was saying, have the mind of Christ. A spiritual mind, is a, a renewed mind is a spiritual mind, a mind that desires heavenly things, not earthly things. So right values, right vision, right passion, aligned with the value of the kingdom of God. And a renewed mind is a secure mind, a peaceful mind, and a contented uh, mind. So in this final chapter of Philippians, Paul talks about, in my view, one of the most pressing subjects of our time, contentment. I know it's generalizing, but I don't think it's a mistake to say that discontentment is one of the problems of our time. You know, um, with huge um, and damaging consequences. There are, there are forces that would want us to be discontent, to feel constantly that we are not there yet. We need one more thing. The market is an example. The market creates a need in us and makes us believe that our life is not complete without having what they have produced. There's a, a world system that defines and measures life by external possession and looks and status. The goalposts of those things move constantly. Therefore, we are always running after them, discontented until we get them. So the market, as well as other influential systems, echo two driving voices, in my view. These two voices are linked to the Genesis story, uh, uh, the choices Adam and Eve made, deceived by um, the devil, the knowledge of good 
and evil. The, the choice of independence, to live our lives without God, to know what is good and bad for ourselves, to be our own God. This is the foundation for these two voices. These are the, the two voices. The first voice is, the first voice saying to us, you are losing out. You need to get that good if you want, to, to, if you want to, your life to be worthwhile. Creating a desire in us to chase after the good as the world defines it. So the good is running out for you, running out, chase after it, run after it. That good could be material possession, possession of power, respect, relationship, prestige, and, uh, uh, and promising to deliver a fulfilled, successful, and happy life. If only I get that, my life would have been complete. So the second voice is says, uh, the second voice says, evil is com coming after you. So save yourself. Evil could be anything that creates insecurity and fear in us. A fear of losing what we have, creating anxiety to keep what we have. It could be position, and again, power, finance, image, time. Time is running out. Old age is coming after you. You know, business is booming, providing a temporary solution for our fears. Security, insurance, surgery to keep our image. So life becomes running to get it, and then running to keep it. So it's running to get it, and then running to keep it. So creating anxiety, self-reliance, I know the good and evil for myself, versus God's, God-reliance, God knows for me, living in the knowledge of the will of the Father, experiencing despair when it is not working, and pride when it is, being preoccupied by our own need, living a self-centered life with inability to prioritize the need of others. So the world understanding of contentment then follows the same mindset. You know, according to Aristotle, contentment is having all you want. You will be content when you have all that you want. Now, we know that human wants has no end. Therefore, according to Aristotle's view, Aristotle's view that they will never come. Uh, there's a, a story of uh, the Quaker who put a sign uh, on his house that said, I will give this house to any man who can prove to me that he is content. So after a while, someone came and knock, uh, knocking at the door and said uh, he saw the sign out uh, in front and wanted to claim the house. And he said he was perfectly content. The Quaker asked what he meant, and he said, I have everything I want, all the money I need, everything in life that could satisfy. I'm perfectly content. And then the Quaker said, friend, if you are content, uh, if you are so content, what do you want with my house? So human desire for more can creep up whenever we see a billboard. So it's one billboard away. Um, so the Stoics also view contentment to be completely self-sufficient. That is, detaching oneself from the situation, not being affected, whether you have 
whether you have not detaching yourself from, from that situation, whether suffering or pain, denying it, and uh, achieving a state where you will not be affected by that situation. Christian contentment, what Paul is talking about here is completely different from these two understandings. We'll try to get answer for these three questions from this scripture. What is contentment? And why do we need contentment in our life? And how do we get it? So what is contentment? Paul starts by describing the reasons for his joy as he uh, starts from verse 10. He says, you know, uh, they renewed, um, I, 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 he rejoices because they renewed their concern for him. At last, he said, you renewed your concern for me. You, you remembered me. You, you, you know, you, uh, you, you have my, my need uh, in mind. So as Paul awaits his hearing before the emperor in, in, in the in chain uh, night and day to Roman guards, his captors required him to provide his own living expenses. That time, the prison, the prison was not uh, uh, as it is today. It was not the government who was providing the needs uh, of the uh, prisoners. The prisoners was required to uh, provide for their own needs. And they had two, they, they were until the trial time. So they are two, uh, they are expecting two uh, decisions. You are either freedom or death. There is no lengthy um, sentence that will, you know, keeping them in, 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 in prison. So it is in that kind of situation. So, you, you know, um, so the gift from Philippians gave him great joy um, in the Lord. But he, yet he hasn't heard from them for a long time. So he highlighted that, you know, now after a long time, you, you remembered me. So, but, 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 you know, highlighted that at the time. Immediately he realizes that his words could be misunderstood because it may look like he's not grateful for their gift. You know, where have you been until today? I've been going through all kinds of sufferings and you just remember me now? So, and, and also that it shows that he might not be expressing gratitude, that he has been waiting, or, or he has been waiting for their gift desperately and complaining that they haven't sent it in time. So fearing to be misunderstood, he started explaining what he meant. He said, I, I, I know you, I know you. I'm not saying that you don't care about me. It's just you didn't get the chance to uh, support me. But I know you, you are concerned about me. I have no doubt. It's just that you haven't had a chance to show it. I also know your heart from what you did for me in the past. Don't you remember you have provided this for me? He said, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. And for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me uh, aid more than once. Uh, when I was in need. So he reminded them, I'm not saying you don't care about me. I, I, I know. Uh, I'm just saying there was a, a, a time gap and I'm happy that you have actually uh, started co connecting with me. But I know you. But it's not just only you that I know. I also know myself. So he said, I'm not saying this because I'm needy, seeking for your gift. In fact, he said, not, not that I desire your gift, what I desire is that uh, uh, more be credited to your account so that you may even be more blessed. So the giving you're giving is not just because I wanted you gifts, but, but I, I am desiring the reward and the blessing that comes from you as you generously leave. So he said, it is your benefit that I desire, not mine. 
And God will also be glorified through your sacrificial giving and will meet all your needs. See, your gifts are also fragrant offering, uh, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory. As you give, you are actually glorifying God. God will be pleased by your gifts. So I want, I, my desire is your gift, your blessing, your being, being blessed, and also God be glorified. Not my need. I, I, I know myself. I said, you know, he said, but I have for myself, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. You know, uh, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether we're well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. My source of strength, my source of contentment is not, it doesn't depend on the gifts of others or, or that comes from, no, no, no. In every situation, I am content because I have, I, because he, because of the, the, the strengths that I have, um, I, I, I receive from my Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is contentment? According to Paul's description, Christian contentment is discovering and living in the sufficiency of God. Living in the reality of the sufficiency of Christ. Christ is enough beyond, in, you know, he, he is enough for every situation, in every situation. He's discovering that reality, that spiritual reality. God who is absolutely in control, who is resourceful, who is everything, who is committed to us and gave himself for us, is enough in every situation. It is discovering that the Lord Jesus Christ is the indwelling life within us, who is wholly adequate and competent to meet every possibility that can come on our way. Not to make having or not having the decisive factor of life. Paul is saying life is much deeper than that. Being content means that regardless of my circumstances, my possessions, or my status, I know that I am a child of God who loves me and will meet my needs now and forever. Having this confidence in the living God that he will meet our needs and provide for our, for our needs for every situation. He is faithfully present in every situation. It is having that conviction that brings deeper rest in our being, no matter what are the external circumstances. So content and contentment is entering into God's rest. God's rest is different from human rest. Human, you know, whenever we talk about rest, we talk about resting. I want to rest, you know, like, like, you know, either sleeping or sitting or uh, like that. But God's rest is different. In, in Hebrews, he tells us that the mark of actually, he says, uh, uh, the mark of the disobedience of the Israelites in the, in the desert were, was um, this, their discontent, this, discontentment, you know, failing to be content in God. God was providing for them. God was there with them. Um, but they were, they had uh, some wants. They, need, they needed something, and then um, they were discontent with him. And that was actually which kept them 
uh, uh, it hindered them from entering into the promised land. So he says this, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. The work is finished long ago for all our needs. So he says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So they, the, the Israelites failed to enter into the promised, the promised land, which was actually given to them um, because of their discontentment. They were, they were seeking, they decided to know the good and evil for themselves rather than following and relying and uh, to know the will of God and submit to the will of God. So knowing the quality of life according to God's perspective doesn't depend on those things that Paul listed. You can have nothing and still live a contented life and have everything and live a life of anxiety. But it is entering into the rest of God. That is what God is inviting us to. Contentment is exchanging the knowledge of good and evil by the knowledge of the will of God. This is, this is very, very important. Our life isn't ours any longer. God is the one who directs our lives. We are encouraged and exhorted to know the will of God in the New Testament, to live by the will of God, to submit to the will of God, to bring our will, to choose to will His will, to submit to His will, to make His will the, 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 uh, the, main, the main focus of our life. Jesus was innocent. He was not living by the knowledge of good and evil. He only knew the will of the Father. He, he was prepared to act and live by it, no matter how hard it looks. He was content in the will of God. It was the source of his joy. He knew that his father was in full control and nothing comes to his life without the knowledge of the father. So he surrendered to his father's will. It, not my will, but your will. So it is submitting to the will of God. It is to know that, to, 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 to be convinced that the will of God is much, much better than our own choices of good and evil, our own will. He, have, he has his best, um, uh, our best interest at heart. We are asked, instructed to do the same, to rely on God's sovereignty, to trust his promises. God is God's faithfulness. It says in Hebrews chapter uh, 13, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. So you can add more. You can add more things here. It says, and be content with what you have. Because God has said this. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can a mere mortal do to me? This is what contentment is, having this conviction and revelation and understanding that God is fully in control and that his commitment to us, uh, his faithful in his commitment and to us. So relying on his promises, his presence is sufficient for us. It is deciding to live in the presence of the Lord. The simple acceptance of that fact revolutionizes our attitude and release us to follow Christ in all circumstances. Paul is saying that Jesus gives us the strength and ability to follow him 
wherever and however he leads. Is it hard to follow Jesus? Yes? But Jesus will help us follow him no matter how tough it gets. There's a, a constant pressure to, go, to get more things and obtain higher standards of living, a wide display of the luxuries of life. The apostle declares that he has learned how to face those pressures. And in any circumstances, he has learned to be genuinely content. So why do we need this contentment? Contentment will bring freedom to our life. You know, contentment depends, uh, our, deepens our relationship with Christ. First of all, it deepens our relationship with Christ. As we depend on Christ and rely on him daily and seek his will, we will grow in the knowledge of who he is, in our confidence in him to be sufficient in, for all situations. So we grow in the knowledge of God. We'll be more freer as we get to know him. We'll be more freer from the concerns of life. We start to see his lordship, his, his, um, his, his you know, his, that he's in power. And we'll be free from the fear of tomorrow. Being free from the fear of tomorrow means you live today with joy and peace of mind. You know, sometimes we are so concerned about um, uh, tomorrow, we are not fully present today. We have, you know, that, that anxiety consumes us and we lose joy uh, in the moment. When we are content, we'll be free from the fear of others or circumstances or whatever life brings on our way because we know that God is fully in charge because contentment is having that knowledge. We'll be free from anxiety of life. We'll be free to serve God. You'll be free from being preoccupied by life as the world defines it. You'll be available to give your attention to God and serve his will. Because <clears throat> your attention, which has been occupied by life and, and uh, running after good and running away from evil, now will be preoccupied by the will of God and the will of the Father. And you'll be free to serve him. The need of others becomes your priority, starting from your family and spouse and friends, etc. Sometimes when we are chasing the good, our priority becomes our own. You know, we become self-centered and we uh, forget the need of others. But as Christians, we are invited to live as Christ lives, to live for others. So the need of others becomes your priority. You live your life not to be content, but out of contentment. How do we get contentment? Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever, whatever the circumstances. So Paul is saying, I didn't get it just all of a sudden. It didn't come to me so easily. It was not natural. I had to learn to be content. The Lord taught me what it means to be content. I learned to be content. We are not born content. Our natural spirit is to strive to get more. We are always striving for something. You know, the, the Lord teaches us, you know, uh, uh, in different circumstances. Sometimes on the mountain, when we have everything, when we are abundance and, and everything that, that we desire is available for us or whatever we plan to, to do or to achieve, 
we have achieved. Now everything is there. But at the same time, there is discontent in us. There is, there is you know, we are not really enjoying what, is, what, is, what has been provided for us because our focus is on those things. And then the, uh, that discontentment leads us to, 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 to the Lord. And, and then as we, as we turn towards him, as we, we start to seek his face, we started to feel joy and, and happiness and fulfillment. And we realize that, oh, my joy, my happiness, my contentment doesn't actually depend on those things. It actually is in, in the Lord. Then we learn in, on the mountain. You know, we have, there are people who have everything they need, but they're totally disconnected and, and actually um, end up even harming themselves because there is that discontentment that the, the, the material or all the, the possessions they have doesn't bring the joy and happiness and contentment to fulfillment that, uh, uh, that it promised to them. So we learn everything that we have doesn't, is not actually the source of our joy, the source of life, the source of contentment. It is him. So, so when we learn that, we detach ourselves from those material things, which could turn tomorrow, which could get away from our hands anytime. And we, we stand to depend on him who is ever present with us. So we learn on those places. And we learn also in the valley, you know, when we are really in, in, a, in a very desperate situation. When we are in a, a, a suffering and a lack, and we are seeking to get help from everyone we know, from situations, and nobody is turning uh, uh, to come to us, to our rescue. And then even in that kind of desperate situation, we realize that the ever-present help is here near us, and it is from the Lord. We discover the Lord is actually there to help us. And then as we experience his hand, his provision, his rescue, then we start to see, wow, so even in this situation you are here, even in this situation you are here, Lord, and our confidence starts to uh, grow. And whether we are in the mountain, as Paul said, whether we are in the valley, we start to be content in God. We detach ourselves from the circumstances and we start to see him who is in charge of our life and also our circumstances. So it's, le it's by learning. And but, but also it's not just only learning because uh, these problems, this, this, um, uh, you know, these different kinds of life extremes Paul listed here should, should affect uh, human life. It is not an easy thing. It affects our life. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, there is some kind of uh, power to it. You know, uh, uh, both poverty and prosperity are powerful forces. We need the grace of God, the power of God in all those both situations. Either you fight for it or you will be in despair for the lack of it. Gaining and losing are life challenges. It takes power to be free from these pulling factors. It takes power to live victoriously with joy in any of those life situations. That's why Paul said, it is not by my own strength that I am able to live joyfully with contentment in all these situations, but by the power of Christ. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's not by our own might, but it is by the grace of God and by the power of God. So we need to ask God to help, to, to empower us, to be free from 
this, uh, being under any circumstances, any under any under uh, the power of any need, any situation, but actually uh, 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 acknowledge and experience the sufficiency of God and be liberated from that situation, be available for God to serve him and also to love and serve others. Christ is willing to give us strength today to be above our circumstances and live a life of contentment. How's your life today? Are you content or living a life of anxiety with those two voices which says, David is after you, and the good is running away from you. Relying on, a, on yourself to know the good and evil. God wants us to live by the knowledge of his will. A life of rest. Entering in God's rest. Because Christ has finished the work for you. And is finished. Discovering God's sufficiency. You know, to discover that Christ is your sufficiency. What you need is to know God's presence in your life. A life of contentment doesn't mean that we don't feel anxious. We, you know, when we are in that kind of anxious situation, we speak to our soul like David. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of Jordan, the height of Hermon, from Mount Mezar, I'll remember you. Never forget the lessons that God, God taught you in the mountain and in the valley. In that times when you have everything, that you're discontent, and, and then you turn around to God and he became your joy. Those times you are in despair and no one was around to help you but you discover that God was ever-present help in that situation. Never forget those two lessons. Ask God to experience his power to deliver us from the evil of our time and grant us the grace to overcome temptation so that we may be free to serve him and serve others. Let's pray.